Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again via Skype by Eric. Is it is it funny if I just start coughing uncontrollably? Um, I don't know if it's like funny so much as like um a tragic moment in our collective history. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, we're not going to make any jokes about it. Just kidding. We can make jokes about everything. Uh, so you asked me right before I started <laughs> recording, did you ever get in touch with anybody in the unemployment office? Uh, I was following. I was following this saga on Twitter. <laughs> like, like going. Like I could not understand what was happening. Okay. So first of all, hi everybody. This is like treason news. I'm your host, Allison Kilkenny. We are based in New York City, and as everybody knows by now, there is a global pandemic, and mm-hmm. as such, our social safety net, let's say, is overwhelmed. So everybody got sent home. Uh, how many days ago has it been now? When did all of this start? What day is uh, it? Where am I? Like, like a week and a half ago, maybe? Sure. Or like a week ago. A, li- a week ago was when it sort of like really, really took over. Uh, popped off, as I like to say. Yeah, right, yeah. When the Roni popped off, as the kids say, <laughs> I, like so many New Yorkers, was sent home for my job. And they were like, sorry, we don't know when the office is going to open again. File for unemployment. Bye-bye. And as such, like millions of people were trying to call the unemployed office and use their website. The website was crashing constantly. You could not get anybody on the phone. Uh, they would just say they were transferring you and then disconnect you. (laughs) (laughs) So like totally panicked, didn't know what to do. Um, But I finally got in touch. So the collective saga, the very short version of a a long ordeal was it took me like three days to talk to a real person. And I talked to someone today. I think I'm like in the home stretch, although I had a fax a document, which made me very nervous. <laughs> I always just picture like a fax machine aimed into like a bottomless pit. Whenever anybody's like fax me something, I'm sort of like, nobody's ever going to look at this, right? But anyway, <laughs> right. so I faxed, the, faxed them my damn documents and I'm told that I should go back to the website on Monday, which hopefully won't be crashing every five minutes, but... <laughs> Listen, I'm never going to get any money, is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's been a, a scary ordeal. I don't know how people are going to pay rent. Yeah, I don't... I, I'm very confused as to what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Yeah, we the, the latest update is we're shelter in place, but we're not shelter in place. Cuomo doesn't like that term. Anytime right. anyone says it, he kind of gets miffed at them but ostensibly for all intents and purposes we are shelter in place right with my thing, yeah go ahead. go ahead i was gonna say my thing is like he also just instituted a 90-day moratorium on mortgage payments mm-hmm. so i'm like if the landlord's not paying for the building then certainly we shouldn't have to pay rent <laughs> great point great point yeah i i feel like that yeah inevitably will be the next step once you freeze mortgage payments it's kind of like okay but what about rent because (laughs) right yeah um but who knows remains to be seen right now we're not supposed to leave our apartments unless it's like an emergency or for exercise i think like walking and jogging is still okay at least right now 
Yeah, as long as you stay away from people. Mm-hmm. That's how I've been. I've ran a couple times and I've gone on walks and, you know, I'll dip into the road if it's like a family walking along right. the sidewalk. Try to keep six feet in between me and them. Mm-hmm. But uh, Eric, I heard you have your own quarantine saga with uh, not being able to get married. Oh, it was the weirdest. So we just picked, had great timing. So we, you know, I, I mentioned on the show, we got engaged last year, uh, Faith and I did. And at the beginning of this year, we really didn't have plans. We were just like, you know, whenever. I mean, there's no big, no big rush. <laughs> like, we'll get married whenever. It's not like a global so, pandemic's going to happen. Right. So at the beginning of the year, we kind of like settled on a random date it was just kind of like we picked the end of march we were gonna get married this upcoming monday the 23rd because it's like close to my birthday it's in the spring you Mm -hmm. know and we're like you know cool like this would be a good time to do it and then like as it got closer like we we weren't gonna have a traditional wedding anyway we were just gonna go to the courthouse but then we were gonna like just have like kind of like a party weekend where we have dinner and like hang out on the town and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then as it got closer closer we're like oh god yeah are happening we had like all of a sudden like people were like yeah we can't come anymore we're like great so then we we canceled all of our actual plans like we were gonna have a big dinner at our favorite restaurant we were gonna like do all this stuff we like canceled all those plans we're like well the thing is we'll cancel all this stuff because all this stuff is just like party stuff and we can we can still go to the courthouse and get married we haven't left our apartment otherwise like we haven't really right. gone outside so like we'll take one trip outside you know, masks, gloves, the whole deal, you know, we'll, we'll go out, we'll go to the courthouse, we'll get married and then we'll come back. That'll be our one trip out, (laughs) out of our apartment. Um, and so as it got closer this week, we were like, things are looking dicey. Instead of waiting till Monday, let's just go Friday. Let's just go, let's get it done. And then that way we won't have to worry about it. And then we get there Friday morning and seemingly overnight they posted signs on the door yeah closed indefinitely (laughs) i was hoping i would be wrong but you had texted me like last week i think asking if i could make it to city hall and i i was sort of like i don't think anything's gonna be open because i had i had been to the dmv to renew my license and to upgrade to the enhanced id Mm, which uh i believe is a scam but i was like okay i'll sign up for this and it was already sort of like emptying out at the DMV. So I was like, Ooh, I think I'm here on one of the last days that they'll be open. Yeah. There were, there were other people standing outside the clerk's office and they told me they had been there Thursday. They'd been there the day before. Yeah. And they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. They were like, it was open. They didn't say anything. Like they never said they were closing. It seems to have happened like overnight. They just posted a sign on the door. It said, Hey, we're closing indefinitely. Yeah. They probably didn't know. They probably got a phone (laughs) call Thursday evening saying you won't be open Friday. And they were like, well, okay. Yeah. Right. So like that was, so that was fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we're going back to our hole and uh, (laughs) we're going to like stay over. I guess we're not coming back outside for a while. It's so weird to, and I thought I would have a better time adjusting to quarantine life, hashtag quarantine life, because I used to be self-employed and I would be home all the time. But it's so weird. Like we have this like evening ritual where my roommate Chloe and I just like meet in the living room and it's like we haven't spoken to another person in months. Like we just (laughs) ramble at each other because it's my only human interaction other than like 
when I talk to people on Skype or call people, but like, it's different having a face-to-face interaction with someone. Um, You would have thought we had been imprisoned for years the way (laughs) we're like, Oh my God, I have so much to say to you. (laughs) It's like, I just spoke to you yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I also realized during this that, uh, cause I, you know, I have a bunch of roommates. There are, there are five people total that live in this apartment. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that, our internet is not designed for everyone to be home at the same time. <laughs> oh, see, I feel incredibly fortunate because we I have two roommates and our internet's still very fast. Nice. I've gotten like our the service will be fine and then it'll just drop. It'll just like cut out. It doesn't happen all the time, but I've noticed a couple times where like cuz I work online, you mm-hmm. know, like and and, and it like the, the site we use for our, our business is like very bandwidth heavy. Um, cause it's like real time streaming. Mm-hmm. So like I've noticed like a couple times now or like I tried to use, I tried to do a, a zoom meeting like at work the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like, the internet was just like, Nope, that's too much. No, yeah, no, you can't, yeah. you can't do, you can't do both. You have to pick one. <laughs> I have a like, theory that America is currently hanging on by the threads of Netflix and GoFundMe, And if either of those go down, it will be complete anarchy. Yeah. Well, there was the, the really funny chart where it was like when the right before, like when when the stock market first started tanking, mm-hmm. it was like every stock went down except for Zoom. <laughs> Zoom, <was just> like <laughs> Zoom. Zoom got Zoom gained like 30 percent in like two weeks. That's so just like, funny. Also, like, good call. Yeah. yeah, totally. Like every business was like, oh, we're just going to we're Zoom only. But I, I also wonder, like if at the end of this, cause it seems like it's going to be a while now, mm. you know, at least like in terms of like work from home, shelter in place type stuff, probably going to be a couple weeks at this point, if not more. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I wonder how many businesses of, okay. Of the businesses that actually survive, how many businesses are going to realize at the end, it's like, Oh, we're just going all work from home. Like this is like, we're like, we don't need to pay all this money for an office and all this stuff. It's like, we it can clearly be done so we're just gonna like start we're gonna open up work from home a lot more after this yeah i mean it's been revealing i think i think we talked about this on last week's episode but just like even people with disabilities this is so revealing it's like wait i could have been doing my work at home this entire time and it's like yeah chances are more and more the need to meet in an actual physical space seems like a very charming antiquated notion (laughs) where it's like, do we actually need to do this? Probably not. Not unless you're, you know, like an essential employee where it's like, unless you are selling groceries to the public or like doing surgery, you probably don't need to meet in a (laughs) physical space uh, or you're like, uh, you know, you run a restaurant or something. Um, But yeah, I wanted to ask you, I know you're working from home, but how are you coping with quarantine other than that? Do you have like little rituals or routine that you do every day? I mean, not really. I mean, in a lot of ways, I like not a lot has changed because like really the only thing that changes is that like I have like three hours extra free time now because I'm not like commuting to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, but I kind of have the same routine because like most of the time when I'm even when I was working in the office, I would pretty much just come home and like sleep and chill at home. And so I went back to work. Right. <laughs> so, um, no, not I mean, not I'm trying what I'm trying to be cognizant of is like, I guess this is more I, I'm more aware of it now because of the situation. But like 
I'm trying to do less of just like binge watching Netflix for six hours a day or whatever. <laughs> um, it's like, please don't attack me on my own show. <laughs> I like invited you on as a guest, which was generous. Um, well, I think I think it's just because like I I do that regularly. <laughs> yeah. And so now that it's a new situation, and I'm at, like, because at when I'm working at the office, it's like I'm taking like I go to the office, I'm out of my apartment. Everything seems normal. And now that I'm at home 24 hours a day, when I do like binge Netflix for like half the day, I, and then I just don't leave and I stay at home, I'm like, oh, this is getting bad. Right. <laughs> this is getting like rough. So I've tried to do more of like, like you were saying earlier, like go out for a walk. Just go out for, you know. Oh man, around, not, I've not been going. Yeah, I've been going on these two-hour odyssey walks where I didn't mean to do it the other day. Uh, I live in Bed-Stuy. This will mean nothing to people outside of New York City who aren't familiar with geography. But if you are familiar with New York City geography, this will be very impressive. So I went for a walk and I was like, I'll just walk around the neighborhood. And then I looked down at my Google map and I had walked all the way through Clinton Hill almost to downtown Brooklyn. Oh, Jesus. So I walked like two hours. Um, yeah, that's a lot. It was an intense walk, but I really needed to get out of the apartment, apparently. So, sure, but yeah. Eric, I heard uh, you've been using some of your time in quarantine to start your dang podcast. I did it. I finally, I finally did it. Yes. Plug it. I, uh, uh, so I started a podcast called Based on a True Story. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I know you hate that title. Because uh, it's uh, a pun. Uh, but yeah, it's called Based on a True Story, and it's just a it's an interview podcast where I talk to bass players because uh, I it's, it's something that I love, uh, and I, I feel like they don't get enough attention. Uh, so I just this you know took the initiative and started interviewing bass players, and uh, yeah, I finally I, I I did a bunch of interviews last year, and then I I started this new job, and like think I just sort of like put everything else on hold and didn't really like pay attention to it and never put it out. Um, so I finally. Again, I always had this time, uh, apparently, and I just, it took, like, actually, like, being mandated by the state to be, like, confined to my house. <laughs> That's all it <laughs> to, took. You know, to be like, oh, yeah, what am, what the hell am I doing? Like, what what the, what is wrong with me? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, I finally got, you know, buckled down and did it, and I interviewed uh, a friend of mine uh, named Tyler, who plays in this really great band that I've plugged on the podcast before called God Gouge Away. Um and uh, I put that up as the first episode last night, so it's up on there. Uh, I have a Twitter at twitter.com slash based pod, B-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D, based pod. Um, and then also the, the podcast link is at anchor.fm slash based pod. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, and it was cool because I, I, I have all this backlog of interviews that I'm going to start putting out next week. But uh, because I interviewed him yesterday, I, we got to talk a little bit about like, the toll that like the quarantine is having on like bands and artists and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause it is, it is really bad for, the, as you well know, like this is a terrible time for, to be like an artist or a performer. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't making light of the whole GoFundMe thing, but so many of my friends who are comedians uh, are putting up GoFundMe's cause they can't afford their health insurance anymore. Uh, it's, yeah. it's quite bad. Yeah, and, and uh, well, I talked to Tyler a little bit about, like, it's really bad, you know, obviously for, like, people who work in theaters, people and stuff like that. And, like, for him, it's, like, his band's whole thing is just touring. So it's, like, yeah. they, they just canceled a two-month tour that was going to be, like, you know, good for them. 
uh, and <clears throat> they had to cancel that whole thing. And it's like, there's only so much you can do online with music, you know. It, like, I was thinking about that when they were announcing that South by Southwest got canceled, obviously, along with everything yeah. else. But as much as we all make fun of South by Southwest because there are aspects of it that are just fucking ridiculous, I felt so bad for, you know, the bands who that would have been their, like, big breakthrough in the industry. Yeah, bands, artists. I read a lot of accounts of people in Austin who are like work in the service industry, and they were like, "Oh yeah, the one week, the one weekend of South by Southwest is basically my rent for like three months." Ugh. You know, and yeah. it's just like gone in an instant. You know, it's horrible. Yeah, so it's it's really rough out there. I think, yeah, you know, speaking. Hey people. guys, speaking of it being rough out there, did you know this podcast is one hundred percent supported? Uh, by you, the listeners. If you go to liketreason.news, you can smash that donate button. Or, Eric, I don't know if you know this, I have a Patreon. Uh, that's yes, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. And if you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher, you can send not only questions or comments, you can send recommendations to the show, and I'll read them like I'm about to do right now. So yes. Kim wrote in, it said, I have two podcasts to recommend. If you've talked about either of them already, my apologies. I listen to so many podcasts. I can't always keep straight where I heard what recommendation. Okay, Kim, first of all, please don't talk about other podcasts when you write in to me. Recommendations are fine, but don't be like, I listen to so many. I can't keep you guys straight. Like, okay, okay. One, Ear Hustle. It's produced out of San Quentin Prison in California, and it dives into what life is like for incarcerated people. It doesn't so much talk about the crimes of incarcerated people, unless that is relevant to the particular topic of the episode. <clears throat> they talk about things like cellmates, visitation, food, music, segregated housing, three strike laws, unwritten prison rules of conduct, family visits, restorative justice, etc., through interviews with incarcerated folks. It's perspective only current or formerly incarcerated people could give you. Two. Everything is alive. This is an interview podcast where the host interviews inanimate objects, which are voiced by humans that aren't the interviewer. That'd just be bizarre. It sounds weird as fuck, but it's wildly entertaining. Some example objects, a pregnancy test, a stethoscope, a subway seat, and an elevator. Enjoy. Uh, that's, that's yeah. That one sounds literally like an improv exercise. I swear to God, Eric, <laughs> I was about to say that. I swear to God. I, I'm I, I bet you it was an improv exercise that they turned into a podcast. It yeah, absolutely so should be. An, it probably is an improv warm-up. Uh, yeah, the, the first one, Ear Hustle, I've heard recommended a bunch. Apparently, it's, it's very good. That sounds cool. I want to check that out. That sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. So since, I, have a, go ahead. I have a very quick uh, uh, podcast rec as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How uh, dare you slash go ahead. Uh, as, as, uh, it's specifically one episode of a podcast. So this is podcast. I think that's fairly popular called uh, Reply All. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it might be, I don't know if they've put out another one since then, but it, it might be their latest one. But there was a, uh, there's, uh, it's either the latest one or the one before that. I'm not sure if another one has come out yet. But there's a, there's an episode I, I think the premise of their their podcast is that people write in with like technical like kind of like IT technical type questions and they like go deep on like weird issues related to technology. Um, and uh, their episode is all about uh, a guy who got a song stuck in his head that he listened to in like the 90s on the radio. 
and then he tries to find it online after like after it like comes back in his brain and he can't find it anywhere and so this whole podcast is one of the hosts like basically going through extreme links to track down this song that some guy just remembered oh my god uh, it is fascinating it is one of the best episodes of like a podcast i've ever listened to. how much does he so have cool. to like go on is does he just have the tune or can he remember the lyrics so the guy, the original guy that writes in can remember the tune and remember not all the lyrics, but like definitely specific lines. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's, it's crazy. They go through all these different things. Like the guy goes so far as to make his own home demo of what he thinks the song sounds like. <laughs> and then the, the host of the show takes that and goes to talk to like music producers in LA and are like, Do, have you ever heard this song? Oh Does this God. ring a bell? And they like, it is it is so it's such a fascinating like really really fun episode of a podcast so fun to listen to. That's so funny. And how many times have I wished I could deploy that same <laughs> sort of system whenever I can only half remember a song? Right. They go through. They do some like really <clears throat> funny stuff. Like they make their own demo version and then they try to play it to like Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, done that before. Like, have you ever tried done. to like hum into Shazam? I've done that. And Shazam's always like, bitch, come on. (laughs) So speaking of recommendations, I have some recommendations, everybody. They are all Netflix oriented. So season two of Ugly Delicious is up. And oh my God, Netflix was pushing this so hard at like the beginning of the pandemic. Like every, I got like three emails a day that were like, have you seen it yet? And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do other things. I know season two of Ugly Delicious is important, but it feels like some other important stuff is happening right now. But it turns out season two is fucking great. I will say, uh, trigger warning slash huge heads up, because no one told me this, uh, Aziz is in it, because Aziz and David Chang are good friends. Uh, He's in one episode pretty prominently but just a heads up for everybody because i was like oh it's fucking busy are we still doing this i guess we're still doing this but that aside the season's very good they get into a lot of stuff about like what it's like to be a chef or run your own restaurant and have kids which you know is obviously um harder on women so it's a very empathetic look about like childcare and and being a, a mother who's also career oriented and I don't know it's just a very in sort of David Chang's um you know like he's sort of known for this a very empathetic look at different cultures um and different ways of life yeah yeah I like that show a lot I had not seen the second season, but uh, yeah, the show is cool. This is also the first time I've seen him like react to Anthony Bourdain dying, Mm -hmm. uh, who was his mentor. And obviously like he really prides himself on continuing his legacy of, of how you do a a travel show about cuisine and like how you approach it in a very humble, empathetic way. Like he's obviously trying to continue his legacy and obviously he gets very emotional talking about him. And that's, that was really moving too. Yeah, I, the first time I ever saw David Chang on a show was uh, one of Bourdain's old shows called The Layover, mm-hmm. where he would go to different cities and was sort of like, "What could you do with a twenty-four hour layover in this city?" Um, and like, "What would you eat?" And so 
they go one uh there's an episode where they they're in New York and and like so he meets up with David Chang and they go to uh like Kriftog in the East Village. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I think I ever saw like like respected professional chefs like eating hot dogs and, <laughs> and like you know like melted cheese and like like bugging out about it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and like uh yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was uh, you know, that was uh, that's a really cool episode and and uh you know, the way they just talk about like yeah, like you know, like street food and stuff like that. I think is very very cool and interesting. Yeah, I feel like maybe in the early 90s there was this whole pushback to quote unquote everyday cuisine and that's when you got like the very small plates and stuff like that what what you think of when you think of pretentious food and now there's been a backlash to that and that's really what ugly delicious is all about it's about this food that you know a high high level chef might look at and be like that looks disgusting but everyday people love it and it's it's part of their culture and like it might not be the most beautiful food but it is definitely the most delicious food you'll ever eat Um, but yeah it's a really good show if you can stomach seeing Aziz, I recommend it. I, I wish right. he was not on the show, but what are you going to do? <laughs> right. So I've also been watching a ton of pandemic-related media. Mm-hmm. For sure. whatever reason, it, it it sort of helps me deal with everything going on. I don't know. That's just how my brain works. If something is making me afraid, I sort of want to delve into it so it's less scary. Yeah. Um. So I watched... Contagion. Sure. I watched uh, Outbreak. (laughs) And there's a very good documentary series on Netflix called Pandemic that basically predicts what's happening right now. Right. And uh, it will infuriate you because there's more than one episode about (laughs) anti-vaxxers. Right. Yeah. uh, You know what I think it is? Uh, Because I do the same thing. Are you familiar with the term competency porn? Yes, 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 yes. I'm just like really (laughs) watching people being good at their jobs. I think like there's a part of that where it's like when you're in an uncertain time, it's very comforting to just put on like uh, like specifically that show Pandemic. Uh. It's kind of like comforting to watch and be like, okay, all right, somebody knows what the hell they're talking about. Somebody knows what they're doing. Like I don't know what's going on. Nobody else around me knows what's going on, but somebody has got a handle on it. Well, I think if you want that, you should watch – contagion pandemic is a little like oh there's a lot of people who know what they're talking about but there's so many people who just don't trust science yeah yeah yeah. and how do you reason with those people and can you reason with those people but my favorite example of competency porn when you brought it up is that movie what's the movie with matt damon uh when he is the astronaut oh the martian the martian yeah, yeah. Is my favorite example of competency porn because it's like this guy just survives on a, a different planet when he is stuck there. And it's like, it's just obstacle after obstacle presented to him that he just competently overcomes. every, And that's yeah. all it is over and over and over again. And it's so satisfying to watch. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so last recommendation before we get to the bad news uh, I just am about to finish The Tiger King on Netflix, and it's real good if you're into true crime, if you're into just a bizarre fucking story. It's about, have you ever heard of this guy, Joe Exotic? Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, he's the I dude who owns all the big cats in, in Florida. Right. Uh, so he has like a zoo 
I think it's in Florida. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in Florida. Uh, and it's about, obviously, as you would imagine, um, a independently run big cat zoo attracts some very colorful employees. And it's about all of them and their drama. Right. Yeah, that sounds fun. Does, is it? Is there? I, I feel like I saw a previous video. This there's like a there's like a hitman involved in this. Right? Yes. Like so, the, right? like the villains of the story, quote unquote, are the uh, animal, the humane society people. Uh, not the humane society people, but basically, there's this woman who runs a big cat sanctuary who's trying to shut down the privately run zoos, and she like partners with PETA and like. But they're like the quote-unquote villains because they're trying to get them all shut down. And Joe Exotic tries to put out a hit on the wo- the woman that he sees as being like his biggest adversary. Yeah, that's that's fun. It's that super sounds... fun. Yeah, I want to check that out. So do you have any other recommendations? Um, other than your podcast? Yeah, definitely check out my podcast. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've been enjoying watching... so. There's this Italian chef named, I think a lot of people are familiar with him, Massimo uh, Baturo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first, he was the first episode of that Netflix show, Chef's Table. Yes. Um, which I highly recommend. I think that, that, that specific episode, I don't know if everybody's into that whole show, but that specific episode I think is so good. Um, I found it a little slow. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think his episode and season three episode with uh, this Korean woman named uh, Jean Kwan, who does like, she is a nun in a Buddhist temple and cooks all like vegetable Korean temple food. I will um, say that is a great episode. <laughs> yeah, I liked both of those a lot. Um, but uh, so he, during like the quarantine, has been just doing like cooking lessons on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. I, he's a he's a really like colorful, fun guy. And so like it's just fun to like watch him talk about food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's been doing these cooking lessons on Instagram. They're great. And then I've also just been watching the. Uh, there, this is going to be so boring, but there, uh, there, uh, there, there's a big chess tournament going on right now um, to determine who's going to be the next person to challenge, challenge Magnus Carlsen for the world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're having a big eight person tournament. So I've been watching it every. Like, it starts at like seven a.m. every morning. So uh, I feel like a ton of people are watching it, especially now because we're all in quarantine. But I've been seeing people posting like screen grabs of it and stuff. Oh, nice. That's interesting. Yeah, like they, they, there's really good like online streaming coverage of it. Um, and obviously because nobody else has anything else to do. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's been great. It's, it's been, it's been really fun to watch. And it's a nice, like, I get up early anyway, or I'm, I'm either getting up early or just getting off work. So it's one of the two. And so I've just been like watching that. It's been really fun. Hell yeah. Guys. On that note, I'm so sorry we have to do it, mostly because it's the format of the show, but it's that time. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. I just want to start the bad news section by telling the coronavirus to go fuck itself. Uh, it became very personal for me, obviously, when it got Tom Tom, Tom Hanks. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, it recently got Idris Elba and, how dare you, Andy Cohen, 
who provides me with all of my trash reality television. So I just want to say, coronavirus, it's personal now. I will find you. You can't take out my favorite actors and the man who provides me with all of my wonderful Bravo television and not expect me to come for you, okay? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's really getting our our most beloved uh, members of society. It's it got all three of them: Tom Hanks, Idris Elba, okay. Andy Cohen. You pull any American right now. Go outside, define the quarantine, defy it. Go outside, find your nearest neighbor, and say, "Who are the three most beloved Americans?" And they will say Idris Elba, even though he is British, right? Because he was Stringer Bell, and Stringer Bell makes him an honorary American. So it was really funny. He does that thing that a lot of actors do, which is where I forget that he's British (laughs) all the time. (laughs) He put out the video. He put out the video announcing that he has coronavirus and he was just talking his regular accent. I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? Whoa, buddy, hold on. You got to warn us before you talk like that, all right? He should just do the Stringer Bell accent all the time. Right, yeah, yeah. To make me comfortable. Yeah, even when he was on The Office for a couple episodes, he had like the very like straight, like American voice. And it was just like, so you never hear him talking his regular accent almost ever. And so it's just like, kind of like Hugh Laurie does the same thing, where it's just like he's well known for being like quote unquote an American so then when he talks in his regular accent you're like what the hell is happening yeah you can't just do that to Americans you can't <laughs> present as American like Christian Bale how dare you how <laughs> right? dare you ever talk in that ridiculous British accent you're <laughs> Batman come on <laughs> you can't do that to us we have a hard time processing <laughs> things <laughs> on a normal day can't yeah. use a different voice uh, so that was my first bad news item. How dare you come from Idris, Come for Idris Elba, coronavirus. I also wanted to talk about, um, because we're a weekly recap show, we didn't get a chance to talk about the last debate between Biden and Sanders and how fucking bizarre it was to see them standing six feet apart in front of an empty studio with moderators who were sitting very close together. They didn't let the moderators <laughs> sit six feet apart. It was like, fuck the moderators. Yeah. Uh, but how? what were your feelings, if you can think back to Sunday night? Um, sure. What'd you so, do, what did you think? So before I, before I address the debate specifically, I want to say I get that people have jobs and things have to keep going, but every show without an audience is so fucking weird. Uh, can I like, tell you the weirdest was having Pete fucking Buttigieg was was he stepping was in Kimmel. for Kim, oh it was Kimmel in front of an empty studio? Yeah, it was already he was already scheduled to do that before they nixed the audience thing, which was already gonna be weird. Yeah, even with an audience, and then it was like no audience, and it's like okay, what is happening? Did you ever see? I'm sorry, I know we're getting a little bit off track, but did you ever see an explanation for who thought that was a good idea? Like who no, thinks like I Pete Buttigieg saw- is? Just the right kind of funny, charismatic guy. Like two things that you need in a late night host, funny and charisma. I would not use either of those descriptors (laughs) on Pete Buttigieg. I've never seen anybody explain how that came to be in the first place. It was just sort of like dropped on Twitter. It was just like, oh yeah, by the way, next Thursday I'm hosting Jimmy Kimmel. And everyone's like, what? Do you think that was his idea or they approached him? I would bet money it was Buttigieg's idea. Yeah, because I'm like, 
How, why? How? I have so many questions. I'm assuming. I don't think he wants to get into late night comedy, but I'm assuming he's gonna try to do the thing of like failed presidential candidate becomes a media star. Have you ever seen um, him tell a joke? No, <laughs> no. I mean, he's tried in the debates to like get one liners off, and it just doesn't work. It is like because he's, he's not so, funny. <laughs> yeah, he's not funny. He's like nobody wants, and it's like. Even if he was funny, even if he like had jokes, it's like if you went to a stand-up show and you saw like a 25-year-old management consultant telling jokes, even if they were like decent, you'd be like, "Who are you? Get the fuck off stage." Yeah, like, like he's just who- sort of known for being a little robot. Like I've never seen right. him tell a fucking interesting story or like an anecdote or riff off of anybody. I just have so many questions because I'm like Truly, any other candidate would make a little bit more sense than him. Like, if they had announced Elizabeth Warren was hosting, right? I would be like, right. that makes more, more sense than Pete Buttigieg because she, you know, people like her. She's she's kind of funny in like an older lady way. Right. <laughs> Sorry, right. that that sounds mean, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Not I'm that sure, older yeah. women can't be funny, but like you know, she she's got a, got like Midwestern uh, humor a little bit. Um, mm. But yeah, anything would make more sense than that. Anyway, so back to the the debate. So the, my first thing, first thing I noticed about the debate was how different the tone was when they're not shouting over an audience. Yeah. Which is like, everybody talks about how much Bernie yells. And it's like, have you been in an auditorium where people are yelling? Like, do you have any idea what it's like to talk over that? Right. It's crazy. I actually found so, him, like, we'll get into everything Biden did, but I thought Sanders pretty devastatingly destroyed him and like some of the 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 most heart rendering moments i felt were (laughs) bernie like lowered his voice and was sort of like addressing him as an aside and it was devastating yeah well he's able to do that too well a because of the no audience and also b i this was the first time it was just two people on stage right so it's like we can just talk. There's not this like competition to get lines in and mm. competition for like time. It's like, oh, we're just going to talk. So it was like a combination of all these things. And the most interesting, the, the like to me, the most devastating moment was when like, because A, he didn't have to deal with an audience or really moderators butting in too much was like, he asked Joe about cutting social security. Yep. And like, Joe's like, I never said that. But he's like, what? Really? really like he's just like and he asked him like four times like you never said that and joe's like no i never said that and bernie's like really like he just like keeps hammering him because he's like dude what are you talking about yeah and what i don't understand about that calculation is i mean at least according to the polling i've seen most of biden's supporters don't care that he said something different that long ago do you know what i mean right so, like, yeah. he could easily just say, you know what, you're right. I did say that at one time. I've, I've been serving in the Senate many, many years, and I'm a human being, and what I believe in is constantly evolving and changing along with our society. And, yeah, I, I feel differently now. I think Biden has very much the old school politician thing of, like, I can never be wrong. Yes, I think that's even 100% I, it. It's like, even if I was wrong, I can't admit, I can try to spin it in a way, but I can never admit that I was wrong and change my mind. Right. Right. It has to it has to come even with the segregationist thing. He never said like, oh, yeah, that was stupid. Like he never he never once apologized for working with segregationists. He was just like, well, it was a different time. It was like 
I was trying to pass bipartisan legislation or whatever. He never was like, yeah, that was wrong of me to do that. Yeah, what I don't understand about that is, so the flip side of it is, I don't think that's as big of a gotcha moment as Sanders is hoping it will be. Because immediately after the debate, all of the video clips went up online of, sure enough, Joe Biden on the Senate floor asking for slashes in Social Security. And it really, in terms of the poll numbers, didn't matter that much. Uh, yeah. so I don't think that's as big of a moment as, as Sanders was hoping for. I think it really highlights, I think exactly what you're saying really just highlights the difference in the party. I don't know if the difference of the part, like the difference in the campaign where it's like, I think, you know, Sanders is still very much running an ideological campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Biden is sort of more running the, like the, the, I hate to say pragmatic because I actually don't think it's pragmatic, but in his mind, it's pragmatic sort of like, well, I can beat Trump. Like I can win. Mm-hmm. So you should vote for me as opposed to like the, I, you should vote for me because I believe in these values and because I believe in these policies, him and his supporter. I mean, you see it like now ever since like Warren dropped out. I mean, you've seen this big push online of like, well, we have to coalesce behind Biden because he's the only way we can win. You know, mm-hmm. there's very much this like, pragmatic campaign of like we have to look like no matter what joe says or no matter what he believes we have to support him because he's going to win and when we have to win the election whereas sanders is still very much running an ideological campaign you know based on his values and, and his policies that he wants to support i will say it is utterly bizarre to watch i mean he caught joe in a, a string of lies it was not just social security they also got into it over the Hyde amendment where Biden either was lying or forgot that he supported the Hyde Amendment. And that was like another moment where Bernie had to be like, really, really? There was a truly depressing moment where both of them kept calling Corona SARS. Um, I think that was the confusion. They kept calling it a different name and didn't realize it for a while, which was depressing. Um, But, oh, what was the point I was going to make? How did I start that? Uh, oh God, everybody. I forgot. Oh no. Oh no. It was about the debate. (laughs) Joe Biden, it not mattering. Uh, We were talking about like, you know, Bernie running an ideological campaign and kind of how like people are just coalescing behind Biden. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's over at this point, right? It's Biden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't see any roadmap to Bernie actually winning. I think the only thing he can hope to do is sort of keep running the campaign and pressure the Democratic Party to like do something to change, uh, which is I think still valuable. Where it's like I don't. I think just giving up and giving in to Biden is like telling the Democratic Party that what they're doing is right, and I think that would be a big mistake. The most um, pragmatic y <laughs> proposal I've seen is a Joe Biden Bernie Sanders ticket, which I don't think would happen in one million years. And it's way too old and it's way too white. No, I don't. And honestly, like, I wouldn't really like to. I mean, no. I, don't know, I, I necessarily wouldn't like to see Bernie as VP. I think he should have some input into the administration and the party. But it's like, the thing is, like, you know, he's. It's just frustrating, you know, when even I think, you know, you've seen things going around recently of like people 
people that are like true blue Democrats, you know, not ideologues, just people who love the party are like still like even them are like trying to pressure Biden to adopt more Sanders like policies. Mm -hmm. It's like you could have just had Sanders. Like, yeah. You know, like if, if you're going to oh. go for these policies, you could have just voted for him. Yeah. You reminded me of what I was going to talk about. It's such an utterly bizarre moment to see the one candidate who is pushing healthcare for all not be winning during a pandemic. Like it really right. is so demoralizing. It just makes me feel like, oh, this cult of personality that surrounds Trump will never, ever, 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 ever vote in their own interests because they're just all about defeating the Dems. And right. as long as they can do that, they will truly vote themselves off a cliff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're good. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, We'll see how, like, kind of, like, what the total ravages of the coronavirus are. But you're already seeing, like, uh, you know, two things I saw that were really interesting were, like, one is, like, uh, recently a person that was treated for coronavirus that was uninsured, like, mm -hmm. posted her medical bills, and they were, like, $35,000. Uh, which I think, actually, right now, it's probably, <coughs> it's probably going to get worse. Yeah. As more people are infected because the supplies are going to go down, they're going to start raising the rates on that probably, I would assume, you know, mm -hmm. uh, unless there's some like massive government intervention. Um, so that might actually it might actually get worse than that. Um, but I also saw this interesting article and I can't for life me remember where, but I was reading this article about like uh, a real like a real hardcore like like Trump community of like people that were just constantly posting about how like coronavirus is fake we don't even know if people actually have it you know um stuff like that and like one of them got coronavirus and is like in icu in a coma <laughs> and fake yeah it, it, his wife was like posting like hey i know this is all fun and games but now this is really happening Whatever. and like fake you know and, fake like, yeah i think it's like there are still people that are like that there were a couple people that were like oh well now that I know someone personally that has it, I'll take it seriously, which is like how a lot of these people think, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's like, it is this utterly like, I, it's very strange to see like, you know, back on the like Dem side of things, it's like, yeah, there's one candidate pushing to provide healthcare to all people. And like the other one is specifically not doing it, like specifically not, trying to provide healthcare to all people and especially at this time it's utterly bizarre that we're like being told that we're just supposed to support him no matter what yeah yeah i so sort of on in the same vein i wanted to talk about these insider trading allegations oh my god you know i posted about this i i it's funny because i was like this is the most obvious story of all time and yet i'm still for some reason shocked by it because even <laughs> Even I was like, there's no way they would be this crass. So the, the original like story, in case, you know, listeners aren't up to speed, the original story came from the Center for Responsive Politics, who reported on Thursday that Senator Richard Burr, Republican, North Carolina, who chairs the Senate Intelligence Committee, sold between $500,000 and $1.5 million in stock in February shortly before markets tanked and before Burr privately warned of the havoc that coronavirus was poised to wreak. And then the second allegation is against Senator Kelly Loeffler, who dumped 
millions in stocks uh, after she went to a briefing about coronavirus. So like pretty clear cut insider trading shit. Like they went to meetings where they were told about how bad this could get. They had stock. They dumped the stock. Pretty clear cut. <laughs> yeah. there And there, there, I think there are four people right now that are kind of under investigation. Yeah. I don't know if there's an official investigation, but they're looking at four people. I think those two specifically had the funniest explanations of what happened. It, like, so Barr at first was like, well, I was only using publicly inform- publicly available information to make my decisions, which is like, if you go to a private meeting, you can't say you didn't use that information. Right, like, right. If you were in the meetings, you can't turn around and be like, well, I didn't use any of that information. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you were in the meeting. Like you can't. Like, there's no getting around that. Like, once you're in the meeting, it's game over. Mm-hmm. And then Laughlin had this bizarre thing. It was like, well, my money is handled by a team of advisors, and they don't even, like, they don't contact us or, like, confer with us to make decisions. It's like, really? I was like, you let a team of advisors <laughs> trade millions of dollars of your money without telling you? No input from you. It's like if you call, they hang up on you. (laughs) Right? It's like, what are you talking about? You mean what do you mean they don't? They just give away all of your money without telling you? What are you talking about? Like, yeah, I mean, like to me, it was pretty clear that the calculation was so much will be going on, no one will catch us if we do this. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things. Really, like it's like I mean, I like the reason they caught this is because like Burr had like is it Barr or Burr? I can't fucking remember. Burr. Um, Burr. So it's like. One of the reasons they caught this because Burr had to like report it to the Senate Ethics Committee, and it's like he was so brazen that he just put it on his finances. Like, yep, I did this. Yeah, I mean, he probably thought it would cover his ass if he just admitted it. Right. Yeah. Uh, wild that during a time like this, there are still people looking to make an extra buck. Yeah, I mean, literally just like looting the country, you know, mm-hmm. and the other thing, too, is that like it would be bad enough if it was if it was just an insider trading scandal. But these two specifically, Laughlin and Burr, were like giving public speeches, telling the people that it wasn't going to be that bad. Yeah. At the same time, they were like trying to go. They were trying to boost up the president and they were telling the American people that the crisis would not be that bad. Yeah. They like telling people not to move their money out of the market while they were moving their money out. Frantically pulling their money out as fast as they could. Yeah. And on that note, Trump knew about this going back months and months and months and months as well. Like they met with health health experts who at the beginning of the pandemic told them it was going to be very serious and they just kept kicking the can down the road. I would, I would venture to guess if we could get a hold of the Trump finances that a lot of selling off was going on in his part too. A thousand percent. Guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. Here's your good news. All right, so first and foremost... I have to address um, some good news in the form of Tulsi Gabbard officially ending her presidential run (laughs) Thursday morning, reminding all of us, first of all, that she was still in the race. We were like, oh, "Oh, really? And that also she would not be in the race anymore. (laughs) 
but all, well, okay, but what did she do when she dropped out? Um, are you asking me? Yeah. I don't when know. She, she endorsed Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's not even news anymore because it seems like everybody's just endorsing Joe Biden at this point. So I was sort of yeah. like, all right, Tulsi. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, it's so funny of like, <clears throat> she was running the script for so long of like, yeah. I'm a complete, like, pure theological politician. I don't play politics. I have my values. Like, that was like her whole defense of the of the of her foreign policy of like all of her different beliefs is like this is what I believe this is what I stand for and then it's like and like after months of trashing Biden and she actually like she quit a position in the DNC to work for Bernie in 2016 mm-hmm. and it's like and then after all that she's like okay I endorse Biden and she's like yeah like the grift is so strong so strong yeah she listen no one has been a bigger critic of this sort of russia hysteria than than me you know everybody accusing everybody else of being russian agents and bots and all that stuff but i don't know with tulsi i'm like yeah i could see it (laughs) (laughs) and like you know maybe even unwittingly like getting russia's support but she doesn't know about it but i was like yeah i she was an agent of chaos in this (laughs) in this whole process that wouldn't surprise me for sure but i think it's good news that she dropped out even though you know i wish that i wish it was still more of a race between bernie and joe just because i think uh that would be better for the country as a whole for sure yeah i still think the convention is going to be a clusterfuck it's going to be wild because i do think i'm not supporting or uh or i don't know not supporting (laughs) this this frame of view but i do think there's a large contingency of bernie voters that may not vote for joe biden Yes, that makes me very nervous. Also, Joe Biden, as we've seen from these debates uh, with him and Bernie and other debates as well, he's not a good debater. He constantly puts his foot in his mouth. He lies all the time. Um, And not that I'm saying Trump will choose to debate him. I could also easily envision a world where Trump just refuses to debate in general. Um, But I don't know. I think Trump could... Bring it to him in a debate. Oh, for sure. And also, I like I I might catch crap for this, but like, it is, I think, unacceptable that in the midst of arguably one of the craziest times in American history, what we're going through right now with this like fucking like nationwide quarantine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, economic slowdown of like that we haven't seen in a really long time. Nobody has seen the presumptive Democratic nominee on camera in like four days. Yeah, where is Joe Biden? Nobody, I, like, he's... Does he have it? Does he have it? Like, supposedly he's tweeting, but who knows? Who knows who runs his Twitter account? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, my whole thing was him and Bernie were coughing a lot during the debates, and I was like, they could both have it. Like, I'm not even trying to be cute or funny because, you know, like, I, they could both have it. Sure. I mean, like, we already know that multiple people with it have, like, been in D.C. meeting with government officials and stuff like that. Like, 22 people of Bolsonaro's uh, cabinet have been, like, confirmed with it now. Apparently, apparently every wife of every head of state has it. It (laughs) just is coming from, but none of the heads of state, you guys. It's very important that you know that women are dirty and women have the virus, but magically the men don't have it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so great? Uh, Listen, they all fucking have it. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's the Bolsonaro one is funny because it's like, okay, your your communications director got it. Twenty two people on your airplane got it, but you tested negative for it. I'm sure. What a miracle! What a miracle that happened. <laughs> Trump doesn't it's, have it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't right? it amazing he doesn't have it? <laughs> it's just like you know what I mean. It's just like. Oh, we know it's spreading through DC through all these government officials. It's like you know, I don't know. Maybe he does. I, I like, it's very, but it's very unacceptable to me. Like at this time, like the guy that everybody is telling us to vote for, and it's the presumptive person that's going to be Trump, just won't. He, he, they, they, whoever runs his Twitter account tweeted the other day, like we're trying to figure out a way to do like interactive town halls. It's like, dude, children do Twitch streams. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on. Well, what I don't understand, listen, we'll get back to good news in a second, I promise. But they keep pretending like we're still going to be able to have this election. And it's like, so during a pandemic, you're going to ask people to go stand in line and vote? Like, there's no way this is happening. Oh, yeah. It's bad enough that they held those Democratic primaries. I mean, just unacceptable. You know, um, I, 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 I would be very shocked if 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 something doesn't happen with the election. So then we're looking at delaying a national election, which Crazy. man, if you think we have instability now, <sighs> God. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, more good news. Back to good news. And it is coronavirus related. The Great. wealth, the world health organization said on Friday that the original epicenter in China of the coronavirus outbreak at last is reporting no new cases which wow. is huge. It's like a huge milestone uh, for Wuhan. They announced that uh, for the first time in 24 hours, they haven't registered any new cases. That's great. I mean, I hope, you know, I hope that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like that would be great. I do think there is sort of like, you know, I, I think it's very possible. It does seem to me like this could be the type of thing where it's like, it does operate similar, like it's not the same as the flu, but I think it could operate similarly to the flu where, you know, there's just going to, there's obviously going to be like very quick spreading, but then, you know, it, you know, like, like I said last week, the whole point of what these extreme measures is to prevent it from spreading to vulnerable people and to prevent it from overwhelming the system of so many people getting in at once. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think there's any reason to believe that it couldn't just like, you know, once it spreads through and we kind of weather the storm, then, you know, people start building antibodies to it. And it kind of like, you know, it may work like a flu where it'll come back next year. You know, like we still deal with the, we still deal with the flu now, you know, um, it could be similar, but I do think that there's some hope in this report of like, this could be just a big, you know, a big event and then it's kind of over and then we go back to regular life and then maybe it happens again next year or something like that. You know, I don't think anybody knows at this point, but it's promising to see these like huge spike areas kind of like falling and then sort of like kind of with, you know, kind of like just dithering out. Yeah. And it's important to remember that, like, in addition to, you know, going back to cap capability porn, very, very capable people are working on on vaccines and stuff like that. But also that the survival rate of the coronavirus is really, really high. So, for example, there's been nearly 81,000 infections in China, but fewer than 7,000 people remain sick with it. So right. overwhelmingly, people have been recovering from it, have been returning to relatively normal lives. So that's incredible, incredibly hopeful. And it's an important to remember. Yeah, I think I, I it is sort of like, 
because of the measures, I think people are scared because of yeah. like, no, we've never done anything like this before. Nobody has anything to kind of like relate this to. We've never taken these, ex these extreme measures before. Nobody's lived through stuff like this. So I think it is sort of like a thing that people are very scared of because they don't know what's happening. But I do think there's going to be, you know, I think reading kind of, you know, this is what we have to look forward to. If we can see where like the virus hit first and see how it's happening. And then quarter like that gives us something to look forward to because we don't have anything else to relate it to. For sure. I will say, uh, I think, and I think scientists are sort of like scrambling to correct this, but originally coronavirus was portrayed as, or framed as like a, a flu that was taking out old people. But there's been more and more cases about like people, you know, in their 30s or in their 20s also having to be hospitalized from it. So do take it seriously. Like if you're in your 20s, don't be like, Ooh, oh, it's yeah. a nice day. I'm going to the park. You know, it, this can't kill me. It's like, well, it, it actually it could if you don't trust it or uh, treat it seriously. Oh, yeah. It's no joke. You can I've because I'm a masochist have been reading reports of from people that have it and it's like it's no joke like no. it is really like debilitating people yeah for sure so Eric any anything else you want to plug want to say anything you're looking forward to while you're in quarantine uh you know, <laughs> I'm look, uh, yeah I don't know I think I don't I think try not I hope people don't get too like shut in and depressed during this time because that's a very easy thing to do um you know like i said i you know what i've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time and then like i finally just it took like a little bit of nudging but i finally just got off my butt and did it because mm -hmm. it was like oh i'm stuck here anyway right what the fuck else am i gonna do so i hope like people will take the opportunity to maybe i don't know like watch stuff listen to stuff that you haven't before try new things that you can do inside yeah, yeah. i think like i, I, I would have to be inside make the best of it for sure i would also say now is not the time for anybody to put crazy expectations on themselves where it's oh, like yeah, for sure. listen are you gonna write the great american novel while you're in quarantine probably not and that's okay if you're not being i i think if we can get one thing out of this that's a positive it's this obsession if we could get over america's obsession with being hyper productive at every fucking second of every fucking day it's oh, okay God. to sometimes not do anything just watch shit and be go easy on yourself you know oh you know what on that note i will recommend a great book uh, yes. that i may have recommended on the show before I, I you should be able to get a kindle version of it or something um, but there's this great book by Jenny Odell called How to How to Do Nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and she sort of talks about that, about like how like basically every basically like the culture is telling you that every second of your day not only needs to be productive, but also monetized in some way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, go, you know, get a Twitch and like Twitch stream yourself and make money while you're sitting at home. It's like you can actually just enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you know, uh, that's, you know, like I said, I, 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 I like my, you know, like I was saying, my recommendation would not necessarily be towards productivity but just sort of like just trying stuff like just like you know exploring what you can do while you're inside doesn't necessarily need to be productive i like one thing i've been trying to do is like listen to a new record every day of like maybe a band i haven't listened to before of hmm. uh, just like you know there's great sites like bandcamp.com that are really great about supporting artists and so you can go on and just listen to a new thing every day um 
just take you know, like, like you were saying like take this opportunity and like slow down like chill enjoy yep. your life you know and, and as much as you can i know a lot of people are struggling uh because they're losing their jobs and that's yep. bad um so obviously you have to deal with that if you have to deal with that but also like listen don't... sometimes you got to sit on hold with unemployment for three days i get it you know sometimes <laughs> i have already threatened this i was like if this quarantine goes into like third week a month longer than a month i am going to become a knitting bitch i'm gonna order <laughs> a bunch of knitting supplies and this yep. bitch is gonna be knitting so i've already threatened that uh nice. you reminded me to recommend this uh the weekend has a new album out right now and it's real fucking good nice go listen to it yeah so like if you can i mean you know i would say if you're in a position if you're able to work from home then enjoy your time when you're not working um if you've got some money to throw around i suggest supporting different artists or gofundmes of people that have been laid off like try to yes like, support this, little known artists like the weekend Yes, you're right. Yes. Get out there. He's uh, struggling. But I do think this is a good time for people. I think this sort of like economic collapse that's sort of happening is <laughs> yeah. like exposing a lot of the issues with the way we've set up the society. And I think maybe it's a time for people to start focusing on like mutual aid and like restructuring how we do things because we've seen that like one slow down really just sets everything off oh can i say and this so... ma- this gave me a lot of hope so i i've never been on slack more in my life than i have during all of this and one <laughs> yeah. of the channels my my neighbor invited me to is like a community collective where oh, nice. a bunch of people in bedside have are like uh, hundreds of people are on this chat <laughs> where it's like, hey, I'm in need of medical supplies. Does anyone have anything? And people leaving out like food donations and boxes for people to go through. So like that is already happening, which makes me very hopeful. Oh, that's so awesome. That is very cool. I, I, yeah, I would say that's one thing of like, I heard- um, What neighborhood are you and Faith in technically? Sunset Park. Oh, you guys are Sunset Park. Okay, sorry, continue. Well, I was going to say, like, I I heard somebody make this point on another podcast where it's like, and I've heard people make similar points a lot in in different ways over the years. But, like, honestly, a lot of times when you're stressed out or if things are looking grim, one of the best things you can do for yourself is just sort of, like, give to others, put yourself Mm -hmm. in service to others. Um, And I think, you know, these sort of, like, community things that are happening are a really great way to do that because it'll take your mind off things. It'll make you feel a lot better. And it helps. Like, I think that's being pushed out of our normal lives is like going to kind of think push people a lot towards that. And I think hopefully it'll keep moving forward after we're kind of returning back to normal. For sure. Yeah. And I, I will say if you're in a position where you can help people out, whether you're donating to their GoFundMe so they can continue to have healthcare or pay their rent, obviously that's great. If you're supporting this show, uh, never more appreciated than in our current environment because sure. guess what? Uh, I know I can at least pay my rent because of this show. So, and that's because right. of you guys. That's not because of the city of New York, who again took me three <laughs> days to try to get unemployment from them. So, if I was just relying on the state at this point, I would be fucked. But I have you guys yep. and your wonderful support. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've had to cancel recently, please don't feel bad. I never want you to have to choose between paying your bills and supporting this show. So, like, I get it. It's hard for everyone right now, 
But man, those of you who are in a position to keep supporting me, please know how grateful I am. And uh, Eric, thank you to you for for volunteering your time to do this show. And everybody go subscribe to Based Pod on, uh, on Twitter. Listen to Eric's podcast. I'm sure it's going to be dope as hell. Um, thank you. And guys... Please have a relaxing quarantine. Be nice to yourself. Uh, dare to do nothing. Or if you're yep. feeling super productive and you're getting a, a shit ton done, that's great too. I have those moments. Like sort for of sure. fits and spurts. I'll accomplish a lot. And then I'll do fucking nothing for a few days. And it's okay. Um, yeah. If, if you have any comments, hashtag light trees and pod. We always love hearing from you. Send those questions, comments, recommendations to my Patreon. And... Have a wonderful rest of your weekend slash quarantine. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>